And let me just say welcome to each and every one of you. I can't tell you how excited and honored we are that you would spend a piece of your weekend uh, with us here at Northridge Church. A shout out to our families at Webster, our Webster family and our online family and those of you here at our Rochester uh, family. We are honored to have you here this morning and you know, welcome home to each and every one of you. And you know, as we get rolling this morning, I want you to think of, uh, I want you to think about some of these questions I'm going to ask you. You know, when it comes to the church, and when I say church, I mean the big C church. I'm not talking about just a local church like Northridge Church. I'm talking about the church all across the world. The church in, in America, the church and believers all throughout, scattered throughout our world. And here's what I want to ask you. If that church were to vanish from the earth, would the world miss it? Maybe put it a little bit differently. If the does the church do more good or bad in the world? Is the church good for its community or not? And before you answer that question with an immediate yes, what would your neighbor say? Your coworker? The person who's not part of the church, what would their opinion be? And remember, when we, we say the word church, we're not referring to facilities or buildings. We're not referring to programs that we do or Sundays. We're talking about people. We're talking about the church, right? It's a movement of people who are bought in and sold out. The church is a, a movement of people who have experienced and carry the greatest message in all of history. It's the message of what Jesus accomplished for us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you are to study the church throughout generations, thousands of years, if you want to see a time where the church was really successful, you almost have to go to the beginning. The origins of the church. Because the church didn't, you know, just come out of thin air. The church started right after the resurrection of Jesus. You see, Jesus said he was going to rise from the dead, but no one believed him until it happened. Three days later after his cross, right, we just celebrated the cross, the blood and the body that was broken and shed for us. And three days later after the cross, Jesus wins the victory over death, over hell, and comes back to life. And he gathers his followers, and they're amazed. Their minds are blown that Jesus is alive. And right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he tells his followers, go take my message to the world. Go tell people about what I've accomplished for them. And that's the beginning of the church. It spread and it grew like crazy in the early church. And you might ask the question, why? Why was the early church so successful? Well, let me show you how it's described in Acts chapter 4. Look what it says. It says, all the believers, remember again, that's the church. It doesn't say, hey, all the beautiful buildings. It says, all the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sale and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. 
I mean, I don't really need to tell you why I was successful. That, that is a beautiful description of the church and what it was supposed to be, what it's meant to be. And in this passage, we see a couple things. We see the church is unified. That all the believers were in one heart and one mind. You, you see that they told people about the greatest message in history, the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus. But then you see inside of this, this deep-rooted, this deep-seated care for one another. And not just one another, but the community outside of the church. In fact, what separated the early church from many churches today is how they cared for people. You see, in, in, in the society of the, the early church, there were many people who were ostracized, marginalized, overlooked, and the church stepped up and took care of them. And it was contagious to the culture and the community. It made people ask, what is different about them than me? And don't today, thousands of years later, we want to be like that church. Don't we want to be a church that cares beyond our walls? A church that is willing to sacrifice and surrender a little to let our community, our city, our neighbors know how much we care for them. A church that cares beyond its walls. And you might immediately ask, why is this so important? Why is it important that we care beyond our walls? Well, if you look at Matthew 22, what's interesting about Jesus is it's almost as if he dumbs Christianity down, summarizes Christianity into two simple things. Look what he says. It says this in Matthew 22. It says, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And so here Jesus knew that, 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 that we would get Christianity we complicate it. It's all about these things. And Jesus says, hold on a second. If you just do these two things very, very well, you will follow me well. He says, first and foremost, just love God with everything that you are. All your heart and your soul and your mind, you, you love God. And what's interesting is he says the second command is just like the first. That out of your love, if you truly do the first command, out of your love for me, with your heart and your soul and your mind, will be this outpouring of love for your neighbor, for the people around you. It's, it's almost as if Jesus is saying, you can't really love God without loving others. You can't really claim the love of Jesus in your heart without it overflowing into your love for other people. That's interesting, right? Because how many Christians today claim the love of God but can't stand their neighbor? How many Christians today love, claim to love God but on social media they just tear people down? In fact, the Bible says this explicitly. 1 John 4, look what it says. If anyone says... I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And so Jesus makes it very clear to us. One of the evidence of our love for God will be our love for our others, for our neighbor, for our community, for our city, outside of our walls. And so the question is, if we want to be that church, what does that look like? 
What does it look like to be a church? How does Northridge Church care beyond our walls? Well, we say it like this. Our Beyond team says it like this. We go beyond our walls when we strengthen families and poverty and seek justice. Now, before you jump to any conclusions about those three statements, let's work through them. Let's talk about how we as a church can be a part of a movement that goes beyond the walls of our facilities and loves our community well by doing these three things. Let's start with the first one, strengthening families. You see, here at Northridge Church, we want to fight for the family. Here at Northridge Church, we believe when families are strong, our community and our neighborhoods will be strong. And so we will fight for the family to be strong. And I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but our family, the family, is under attack. I don't know why, but it seems like our culture is doing everything to rip the family apart. And so we have to fight for it. And the way we fight for families is by really going after every nook and cranny of the family. That means we have to fight for marriages through, you know, our art of marriage class and pre and post marital counseling. We we gotta fight for families to stay together with Care Portal by keeping kids from leaving their family and going to the foster care system. By equipping parents to help teach and care for their kids. By giving women confidence with unplanned pregnancies through Compass Care. You see, Northridge Church, we want to fight to strengthen the family. But the problem is here is, like many things in the church, when there comes a problem, the church has been way too reactive to this problem rather than proactive. You see, we often find ourselves trailing behind rather than being the forefront of the solution to the problems our society faces. Let me ask you this. Think about this. How many of our world's problems How many of society's issues, how many of mine and yours struggles come, stem from a place of childhood? A place that you were raised, what your childhood looked like, how you were mistreated, abused as a kid. You see, if I I look at my own personal life, I stand before you the man that I am much due to my family. Much due to the mom and the dad that I had that raised me with the biblical foundation who loved me enough to tell me about Jesus who showed me what it looked like to live in a faithful marriage to be a godly man and a godly dad. You see, I look at my life today and the godly man that I aspire to be, a lot of it comes first from the grace of God, but secondly, to the mom and dad that I had. And I recognize in our society today, not many of you have had that privilege. But if we think about it, how many issues that we face in society stem from the family just being broken? Here at Northridge Church, we are going to care beyond our walls by fighting for the family. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to fight for justice. Now, I get it, right? The moment you say that word justice, it's like alert, alert, alert. He just said justice. And we get all like, I don't know where this is going. I'm uncomfortable. And do you want to know why that is? It's because we've allowed culture to hijack justice. 
Can I tell you why we're so afraid of justice? It's because we've allowed culture to define what it is. But can I tell you today, church, God cared about justice way before our world did. In fact, that's how we describe God. He is a God of justice. And so we want to be like him. And when we say these words, we want to fight, seek justice. Here's our desire and here's our goal. Is Our goal is to see the world as God meant it to be. Justice is the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven. If you want to put it a simple way, it's about pursuing things the way they ought to be rather than being comfortable with the way they are. And I get it, right? I understand that we will probably never get to ultimate justice in our world until Jesus returns and rids the world of evil. But that doesn't give us an excuse or a crutch to lean on to not fight for it now. And that can look like many things. Sometimes justice is just caring for the poor, for the marginalized, for the racial and ethnic minority, the refuge, the refugee, the foreigner. Sometimes it's fighting for the voiceless, unborn child. And this isn't just a cultural movement that we're following behind. Do you realize that this is a command from God? Right, let's look what the Bible says. Micah chapter six, verse eight, it says this. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. Listen to these words. What does the Lord require of you to live, act justly? And in order to do that, you're gonna have to learn to love mercy be merciful to people who you don't even think deserve it, to love mercy and to walk humbly with our God. See, the the Lord requires us to act justly, to seek justice, to live just lives. And part of the problem why we don't like justice is because it makes us get out of our comfortable, cozy Christianity. It makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And what it does is it forces us to ask some really tough questions. Questions like as we look around our area, we have to ask the question, why are there so many homeless people? We have to ask the question, why do women feel the need to have an abortion? We have to ask the question, why are so many women and children being trafficked into sex slavery? And again, this is a problem that we don't want to trail behind, but we want to be at the front of providing solutions, not just addressing symptoms, but going after causes. And so how does Northridge Church fight for justice? Well, we fight for the unborn child through Compass Care. We fight for the refuge, refugee through world relief. We fight for medical care through Compassion International. We fight sex trafficking through Agape International Mission by rescuing women and children from sex trafficking, by getting legal teams to prosecute people who turn a blind eye to it, by going after politicians who profit from it. Because we want to fight to see the kingdom of God come to earth. Not be satisfied with the way things are, but being a part of the solution to bring God's kingdom coming to earth. So we want to fight for the family. We want to fight for justice. And then we want to fight to end poverty. And I get it, right? Immediately there's a tension there. Right? Seriously, Drew, we're going we're to end poverty? It seems like a, a really lofty goal. 
Right? Jesus even says in the Bible that the poor will always be with us. And so aren't we trying to go after something that isn't achievable? But since when does the church go after achievable things? Right? Doesn't the Bible call us to be holy? And yet we all know that we won't fully be holy until we get to glory. Doesn't the, Bible, uh, doesn't the Bible call us to reach the world, but logically and realistically, we understand that we probably won't reach the entire world. But guess what? We're going to go after it. And so why would it be any different with the poor and the needy? And the way we do that, the way we go after ending poverty, is we, we are striving to end poverty by chasing impact rather than activity. We don't want to just pat ourselves on the back and say, we did something, but it doesn't really address any of the problems in our society. That's why at Northridge Church, we don't celebrate more homeless shelters being filled. That's why at Northridge Church, we don't celebrate giving out more meals, because what it says to us is the problem is just getting larger, that we're not providing solutions, we're just patting ourselves on the back for doing something, even if it doesn't help. And so what we fight for when it comes to ending poverty is we fight to help people get sustainable jobs. We help to fight people get into affordable housing. We fight to help break addictions because those things will break the cycle of poverty. And so what we do is we provide jobs and housing for people through New City Cafe and 441 Ministries. We provide job training and teaching of English to refugees through world relief. We provide job training for people through Compassion International because our goal, our heart is to see people flourish. We're not trying to create dependency, but we're trying to get people to a place where they can flourish in life to help them without hurting them. To see long-term change, not just instant gratification. You know what's amazing about poverty? Is how people define it. You see, from an American standard, right, we label poverty as someone who doesn't have financial means. But what's interesting is how different people define it. You see, I can remember about four or five years ago going to a place that honestly I would label as the, the most poor place I've ever seen in my life. It's a village in Mara Mara. Many of us, our church family know because over five years ago, we invested in this village to help train them, uh, give them clean water to drink uh, by providing uh, ways to help them grow during the dry and, and wet season. And then I remember coming home from that village and telling my wife, my, babe, I, I've never seen people live like that. I mean, they barely have water to drink, let alone food to eat. You want to talk about poverty? That's it, right? No white picket fence, no American dream. It's crazy. After American after American came to their village, you know what they labeled us? Poor. Because we don't experience relationships like they do in their village. And they would label us Americans poor. You see, as a church, we have to get to the place in our life where we're, un we're so comfortable being uncomfortable to love beyond our walls by fighting 
for families, by keeping families together and strong, by seeking justice for those who can't speak for themselves or fight for themselves, by going after the needy in our city and loving them where they are to take them where they need to go. And if you're interested in this journey, this movement of people called Northridge Church, I'm going to give you two ways that you can be a part of that. The first one is tonight. It's our night of worship. We have services at 4.30 and 6.30, and if you've never been to one of our night of worships, they're amazing. I love coming to them, and it's not because of the songs we sing, it's because, wow, you just get to encounter the presence of God. And what I love about tonight's night of worship is our local and global partners are going to be here. And you get to hear their heartbeat for loving our city. You get to hear their story after story of how they are loving beyond the walls of our church to make a difference, a gospel difference in our city and our community. But come on, let's, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Because I know what's at 4.30 tonight. I believe the Bills play the Kansas City Chiefs, don't they? And here's what I know. God gave us some incredible gifts. The first one is his Holy Spirit. The second one is a DVR. <laughs> so I'm just going to lay my expectations out. Adam, I hope you're listening. I know Webster, you, you're going to be listening, right? So here's, what, here's my expectation. I think at the 430 service, there are going to be a lot of Buffalo Bills jerseys. 430 tonight, because you're going to set your DVR. You're going to come and you're going to sing God's praises. You're going to hear about our partners. Hey, you're going to take a meal to go to go watch the Buffalo Bills trounce the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay? So I'll see you at 430 because I know you love Jesus more than you love Josh. Come on. Come on. That was a Jesus juke. It was pretty good too. And praise the Lord, the Cowboys play at 830 tonight. <laughs> but seriously... It's going to be an incredible night. I'd encourage you to come to one of our services at Night of Worship. The second thing is, I talked a lot, a, a, a lot about different things that we do. And I wonder what, what tugged at your heart today? What topic tugged at your heart? Maybe it's sex trafficking and fighting that. Maybe it's the unborn child. Maybe it's the refugee or the foster care system or the family or the homelessness. Whatever passion you have, I'd encourage you to chase that passion down. Find one of our partners that you can serve. And you might be like, well, I don't even know how to do that. Well, let's make it easy. All you got to do is go to IWant.info. And at IWant.info, there's a banner that says, I, I'm interested in learning more about going beyond our walls. And if you just give us your name and information, here's the great news. You're not signing up for anything but just more information. More information that we together can go beyond our walls with our partners throughout our city. So let's dream for a second, church. Can you imagine a world where we didn't need adoption because families were together? Can you imagine a world where kids are no longer sold into sex slavery? Can you imagine a world where the homeless found homes? Where the foster care system was deleted because it was no longer needed? A world where people could use their gifts to provide and work for their families? A world where mothers didn't feel trapped by pregnancy? 
A world where in every neighborhood, when somebody was hurting, they knew that a Christ follower, a Christian, was ready and willing to help. Imagine a world where the church, the family of God, was a place where people found a family even when they didn't have one. And can I be honest? That world feels like a fantasy. It feels like a pipe dream. But the good news is, for every single individual today, is God provided a way for us to experience that world one day. That God loved us enough to send his one and only son so that we don't have to dream of that world. We know the promise that one day we will experience it. And the only way that was possible was because Jesus loved you and me enough to leave the walls of his home, to leave the walls of heaven, to come to a broken and messy earth, to be embarrassed, to be mocked, to be scorned, to be beaten and brutalized, to be hung on a cross, not for himself, but to fight for you and to me, to wear the weight of my sin and my rebellion and yours, to give us the hope and the victory through Jesus, that through his cross and his resurrection, one day all the junk and all the nonsense of this world will be gone. And today, I really have two questions for us. If you're here today and if you have never experienced the hope and the grace and the mercy that Jesus offers for you, what are you waiting for? Today could be your day where you step into a relationship with a God who left his home to come and rescue you from your sin. And all you have to do is submit to him, surrender to him, say, I believe in your cross and your resurrection. I'm turning from my sin and I'm choosing to follow you. If you have questions about that, we'd love to answer them. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. But for those of us who have made that decision, who know that one day that, that, that reality will become true, why not today and tomorrow, while God has us here on this earth, we look at his example and we follow it by being a church that's willing to sacrifice and surrender to love beyond our walls. Let's pray together. God, it is so easy to be so comfortable. You know, I read Acts and I look at the church and I think about people who gave up of what was theirs for the sake of others. That they didn't even view anything as their own. It was just ready and willing to give up to help somebody who was in need. I think, wow, what would a church look like if we lived that out? So God, help us to not be so comfortable in our Christianity. God, help us to see the needs all around us 
to be bold and courageous enough to to go beyond the walls of our comfort, the walls of our homes and the walls of our church buildings to let the community, to let the city, to let people in our offices, in our neighborhoods, in our dorms, in our classrooms know we, the church, are here for them. Help us to be that church, God. In Jesus' name, amen.